Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? It is good to see you. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. While you are turning, let me just recognize a couple of folks, please. Um, and that is um, so appreciative of our high school ministry that have led these students to this place. And uh, it's under the direction of our high school pastors, Drew and Emma Norris. They're right over here. Drew and Emma, would you please stand? Show your appreciation to them. Please stand. Love you guys. Appreciate you. And all of you thought Drew was just a talking head on the screen, right? And also, uh, one, some folks that just give up their time so faithfully and pour into these students year after year after year are our high school leaders who volunteer their time, and I'm so appreciative of them. If you're a high school leader and in the room, would you please stand so we can show our appreciation to you? All the high school leaders, thank you so much. You are loved and appreciated. So we began a brand new series a couple of weeks ago talking about because of Jesus, and uh, it really came out of Easter Sunday where we had the storyboard. It's still out there in the atrium, and people took their testimonies and said, this is who I was, and this is who I am now, and you connected a string from one to the other, and it's amazing. You should go by and look at it, at the life transformations that have been taking place um, in people's lives in that, and so today we want to continue that series as well. And so today I want to talk to you about um, in the life of Simon Peter. Now, in this encounter series where people are encountering Jesus and it and it changes their lives, most of them are one-time encounters, except today. Today is a day where we look at Simon Peter because this is also reflective of our life. Many times it's not just a one-time encounter; it is a constant encounter with Jesus engaging us and calling us into higher places that he wants us to live. And he'll start one place, and he'll continue to draw us even further into our purpose and our destiny in that. So today I want to talk to you about Simon Peter in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We'll start there. I'm going to look at three different times Jesus comes to Simon Peter and encounters him. So starting in verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And so a shout for help brought their partners in from the other boat, and soon both, soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to, them, to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, in these next few moments, speak to us as only you can through your word. I pray that you would anoint the words you've given me to say. Lord, as they go forth, anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I am surprised sometimes at the people God chooses to use, myself being included. I'm surprised when I look through 
Bible history at the people God uses to do his will. I picked out a few to just describe them for you. God used a man with a speech impediment to deliver his people. He used a boy whose father did not even see any potential in him to lead his people. He used an orphan girl in a foreign land to save his people. He used a teenage girl in a small, insignificant town to bring forth one of the greatest blessings you'll ever know. And he used an ambitious know-it-all that no one liked to spread the gospel all throughout the world. Who am I talking of? Moses, King David, Esther, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the apostle Paul. When you think about that, many times we read scripture and we go, well, if I had their abilities, if I had their skills, if I had their background, if I had their knowledge, then God could use me greatly. And this morning, I know we have graduating seniors and I am speaking to you, but I'm also talking to some of you who have accepted Jesus Christ in the last year and you're just new to this journey. I'm also talking to some of you who've been following Jesus for decades. It doesn't matter if you've been following him for a day or if you've been following him for 70 years. Every one of these encounters speaks life into your circumstances where God wants to lead you into the purpose he's called you for. So I'm gonna look at three different encounters that uh, Simon Peter has with Jesus. And when he encounters Jesus, it changes things in his life. And I want you to see in the same way that Jesus, when you encounter Jesus in this way, he can change your life as well. The first one, we're gonna come back to this passage in just a moment where he talks about, I'll make you fishers of people or fishers of men. And he says, come and follow me. The first one I want you to see though, is the lesson that we learn from it is, is when I encounter Jesus, he knows my weakness and he connects me to his strength. That is such a revelation for some of you. Some of you look at all of the things that are wrong with you and you think, if I didn't have this problem in my life or if this wasn't a weakness, then God could use me. Let me just tell you something. God knows all of your weaknesses and he still knows how to connect you to his strength even though you're weak. There's a moment in time where Jesus takes his disciples up north of the Sea of Galilee and he takes them there for a purpose. He wants to reveal something to them and he takes them against the backdrop of all of the other world religions that are going on at that time. It was a, a backdrop of stone images of idols and different things. And in verses 13 through 19 in Matthew chapter 16, it says this. So when Jesus came to this region, the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, blessed because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And you did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Your translation may say bind or loose. Now I'm not gonna get really into that. 
Um, I, would, uh, I did a couple of months ago, and if you want to know what that literally means, talking about when you bind something or you lose something, what does that actually mean? In uh, the very first Wednesday in March, on our first Wednesday, you can go back to our website, I did an entire teaching on prayer and talked about this particular thing. I encourage you to go there. I don't have time to get into it this morning, but I encourage you to go and understand what that means. What I want you to see here is when Simon Peter speaks up and says, here's what everybody else is saying, but here's who I believe you are. You're the Christ. You're the one we've been looking for, and you're the son of the living God. You're everything that we've ever needed. You are the one that changes everything. You hold all power in your hand. You're the answer to all of our problems. When he does that, Jesus says, blessed are you. No one on earth revealed this to you. My father in heaven revealed this to you. And so I'm renaming you, and I'm calling you Peter, which means rock. Now, it doesn't mean stone, it doesn't mean mountain, it doesn't mean boulder, it literally means a small rock, almost a, a, a small wobbly rock that could get knocked off of a bigger stone. You've ever seen that when things start to shake a little bit, little small stones start falling down? Okay, this is what it's talking about. So he says, I'm, call, I'm naming you Peter, but then he says, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, but he doesn't use the same word then. He uses a different word for upon this rock. It means upon this giant boulder, I'm going to be. What's the giant boulder? It's the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the thing that moves everything. And it's fascinating. It's, big, it's with this backdrop of all the other world religions carved into a mountainside. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. What he's literally saying to him is, I see the problems that you have. I know that you are iffy a little bit. I know that you are shaky a little bit. Peter will look at it in a little while. He's going to make a colossal mistake later on in his life. He's going to be back and forth with Jesus, back and forth, not from following him, but he's always the first in. He's the first in on the good things. He's the first in on the bad things. Simon Peter is the one who acknowledges Jesus Christ as Lord. One night when the disciples are on the boat, on a boat going across the Sea of Galilee, a storm comes up. And Jesus starts walking on top of the water. And all the disciples are amazed. They are in fear. And so Simon Peter looks out and says, Lord, if that's really you, let me come to you. And Jesus says, come on. And Simon Peter steps out, walks on water until he takes his eyes off of Jesus, begins to sink. Jesus pulls him up and takes him back to the boat with him. But here's the thing. He literally is the first one to say, I'll come out there. Let me do that. That's bold faith. He's also the first one to rebuke Jesus. After this episode with Jesus, um, uh, where Jesus tells him, who am I? And he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen, there's a few moments later in another chapter where he's going, Jesus is going to tell all his disciples that I, in a few days, I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to be crucified. I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to rise from the dead. And Simon Peter says, that's never going to happen on my watch. Now, that sounds bold, doesn't it? And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That hurts. He says, you've got the things of man, not the things of God in mind in this. I mean, he's in. He's not always right, but he's always in. You ever met someone like that? Not always right, but they're always sure? That's Simon Peter. Now, listen. Jesus looks at him and says, here's what I'm naming you. I'm naming you Peter, and I'm renaming you this because 
I see the problems in your life. I see every weakness. And I am choosing to use you anyway. And even though you have those weaknesses, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the power and the keys that the gates of hell cannot prevail against this confession you've made right here, against the church I'm going to build. I'm going to give you the power to bind things on earth as they're bound in heaven. I'm going to give you the power to loose things on earth as they're loosed in heaven. But what about my weaknesses? I know all about them, and I am calling in you something that I see. Jesus knows every weakness that you have, and he will connect you to his strength even in spite of your weaknesses. Can I just tell you something? That ought to be liberating for some folks in this room right now. Because all you do is stand in front of the mirror and pick out your flaws. Jesus knows all of those things you think are flaws, and he says, I can use you anyway. And I'm calling that out in you. So when I encounter Jesus, he knows my weakness, but he connects me to his strength. The second thing we want to go back, the second thing I want you to see is going back to our original passage where Jesus meets him on the boat there. And what I want you to see here is this. When I encounter Jesus, he takes my abilities and even my experiences, and he connects them to my purpose. He takes my abilities and connects them to my purpose. Going back to Luke chapter 5, look at verses 4 again. He, verse 4 again, he says, And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go, well, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch the fish. Simon Peter doesn't want to do this. He's been fishing all night. The Bible says they're washing their nets. They're done. They're putting the nets up. They're going home. Jesus is teaching, and he says, I want you to let out a little more. Let out again. So he lets out. Jesus starts teaching. And then he says, now let your nets out on the other side. And Simon Peters actually says, Lord, listen. We've been fishing all night, and we've caught nothing. He is a fisherman. He is, this is business. This is the business that he owns. It's how he does his livelihood. We've been fishing all night. We've caught nothing. We fish at night. That's when the fish are there. There's nothing there, Lord. But then he says, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let them down. And so when he lets them down, fish begin to fill up the net. And he brings it into the boat, calls over another boat of James and John, who are his business partners, fills up that boat as well. And this is the reaction that he has when he realizes what Jesus has done. In verse 8 through 10, he says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Now, this is not his first encounter with Jesus. The Gospel of John tells us that they, that they are near John the Baptist and know of him when Jesus comes and John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they begin following Jesus a little bit at a distance. Now Jesus comes up really close to him in his own hometown and he calls on something for him. Now this is the thing. He tells him, he says, from now on, you're gonna fish for people. I'm gonna make you fisher of people. Now, we use this all the time. Have you ever, you ever seen on the back of a car people with the Christian emblem, the fish? So, you know, it, it's, it's from that area, I mean, that, that passage where it's beginning, where, where we connect some of those things. L listen, some of you hear that and you go, I don't like to fish. And you think that doesn't apply to me. 
If that was you, he wouldn't say a fisher of men. He would take your ability and connect it to the purpose he has for you. He says, this is who you are. This is what you love. This is what you're gifted at. This is what I'm going to call you to do, but yet I'm going to apply it to kingdom purposes from this point forward. What that may look like for you is this. If you have leadership abilities, there's a good chance Jesus is going to ask you to lead his people in some capacity. Now, that doesn't mean you're called into full-time ministry, but there's a good chance Jesus is going to implement those leadership abilities. If you have the ability to teach, there's a good chance Jesus is going to ask you to teach his people once you learn Scripture. If you have the ability and the gifts of helps where you can do things with your hands, there's a good chance Jesus wants to employ those gifts of help for his purpose. If you have musical ability, there's a good chance Jesus is going to call you to use those talents for his glory. Now, here's the wonderful thing you need to know. If you don't have that ability, he's probably not going to call you to that. If you can't teach, he's probably not going to put you to teach people. If you're not a leader, he's probably not going to ask you to lead people. If you can't do anything skillful with your hands, he's probably not going to give you in the ministry of helps. If if dogs whimper when you sing, he's not going to ask you to use your talents for him. Like he's, he knows what your abilities are and he's going to connect them to that purpose. But hear me on something. Just because you have an untapped ability doesn't mean he may not reach into that. Don't allow your fear to keep you from doing what God has just because you think you lack ability. Here's what I mean. There are some people who have abilities. They've just never tapped into those abilities before. And sometimes you just have to find out what those abilities are. So let me give you an example. When I was in college, long time ago, all of you graduates, many moons ago, okay? I, I literally had this phobia, this fear. And I had this fear of speaking in front of people. I signed up for and withdrew before the withdrawal date three different times speech class before I ever had to give my first speech because I was terrified of giving a speech. I decided I would not do it at the university. I would come home during the summer and I would do it at a community college. So there was about 15, 20 people in the speech class at the university. I said, surely there's got to be a lot less, lot less people at the community college. Seems like everybody had the same idea I did. And there were 45 people in this class. And I couldn't drop it this time. Like every class, the next two semesters that I needed to utilize to graduate in my major required that class. So I had to take it. I was so terrified giving my first speech. And I don't know if you've ever taken speech. You usually have to give an introductory speech, something about yourself. This guy was innovative, God bless his soul. And he said, I'm going to allow you to introduce somebody else. So you have to interview somebody else and give a two-minute speech about somebody else. I gave this speech about this person, and the whole time I gave this speech, after it was over with, I just sat down by this person and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you sound like a loser. I'm sorry none of that turned out. I'm so sorry. Now, I didn't hear from God during that class. What I did know when I finished that class was I did pretty well in the class. And I came away from it saying, I don't hate it. Six, seven years later would be the first time I taught some small classes at a church we were in. Six or seven years later will be the first time 
I ever spoke to a group of people over 100 people. God gradually put me in different places in the business world. He let me make presentations to businesses in order to get their business. He let me, and then he would allow me to do presentations to some of the folks that were in our circle or in our community in meetings. I just need you to know something. You may have an untapped ability God wants to use. Don't let fear keep you from that, but also know God's not gonna take you from obscurity and put you in a place where you can't handle. He's gonna bring you along the way for his purpose. Don't allow fear to keep you from your ability. Third thing I want you to see is that when I encounter Jesus, he knows my mistakes and he calls me back to my real identity. Some of you need to hear this more than anything else this morning. You think that you have made such a colossal mistake that you have exempted yourself from the will and the purpose of God. Some of you are beating yourselves up for something that's been fought for and paid for with the blood of Jesus because you're allowing the enemy of your soul, the devil, to keep bringing it up to you. When I encounter Jesus, he knows my mistakes and he calls me back to my real identity. Simon Peter makes a colossal error. The night Jesus is arrested, the day before he is crucified, they arrest Jesus and Jesus predicts that Simon's gonna do this because Simon was so boisterous and saying, if all of these other guys fall away, not me, I'll go to my death for you, Lord. Jesus just looks at him and says, before the night's over, you're gonna deny me three different times. And sure enough, he denies him three different times. The Bible says that he goes away weeping sad. And then John tells us in the 21st chapter of John, after Jesus gives his life, is raised from the dead, that Jesus comes and meets Simon Peter and the other disciples, some of the other disciples. And you know what they're doing? He's fishing again. I'm going back to what I used to do because I've disqualified myself from what he's called me to do. And Jesus appears on the shore and calls out to them. He says, have you caught any fish? They said, nope. He says, why don't you try the other side? The Bible says they bring in this huge catch of fish, so large that the disciples look to each other and say, that's Jesus. That's the Lord. Simon Peter jumps overboard while everybody else rows the boat back in. He jumps overboard and swims to shore and has this great conversation with Jesus. And John the apostle records this conversation in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And Jesus then says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, 
You were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Verse 19. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Two scenes. One where he tells him, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now follow me. The other, after he makes this colossal mistake, he denies Jesus three times. And Jesus engages him and once again says, follow me. I want you to notice something. He's renamed him Peter. But when he engages him this time, he calls him Simon. Not because he's regressed. The name Simon literally means he who hears. It is as if Jesus is saying, I know. I know what you did. And I know you think it's disqualified you. Will you listen to me? Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Three times he denies him. Three times he asks him one question. Do you love me? Because that's really the only thing that matters. Is if you can stay connected in the love relationship and live your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, obeying him, no power in hell and no mistake can keep you from the will of God. And Jesus purposely engages him. Even Simon Peter, though, even though Simon Peter is ready to throw in the towel, Jesus refuses. Now, this is the remarkable thing. The night Jesus is betrayed, the night Simon Peter is going to deny him, the night that he tells Simon Peter, before this night's over with, you're going to deny me three times, Luke records this in chapter 22, verses 31 to 32. He says to Peter this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. So I need you to know. So when it says each of you, that means all of you. The, 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 the noun there means all of you. When he says, I have pleaded in prayer for you, he's saying specifically, I've pleaded for you, Simon. He's asking for all of you, and I am asking and praying and pleading in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. That is mind-blowing to me. I know the mistake you're about to make, but everything I said about you at Caesarea Philippi, the leadership capability you have, the belief that I have in you, all of that still counts right now. I know you made a mistake. I know you're going to repent. I know you're going to turn back to me. And when you do, do the thing I've called you to do and strengthen your brothers and lead them anyway. That ought to be a liberating moment for some of you in here that think your mistakes have disqualified you. Listen, you were never qualified to start with. Jesus Christ is the only one who has qualified you. And the power and the grace of the cross is what gets you qualified. Jesus knows he's going to fail and he still speaks life into him. And can I just tell you something? 
One of the greatest skills, whether you've been following Jesus a short time, a long time, for you graduates, listen to me. One of the greatest skills you'll ever learn is to learn to discern the voice of God. Learn to discern his voice. Not every voice is from God, okay? Not every person that speaks into your life is speaking on behalf of God. Listen to me. Not every person that tells you they're speaking on behalf of God is speaking on behalf of God. Learn to discern the voice of God in your life. Listen to the voice of those who love you and love God's will when they speak into your life. Listen to the voice of God speaking through his word. Listen to the voice of God speaking through the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you something? Here's something you need to write down. Don't confuse your voice with God's voice because you're talking to yourself all the time in your mind. Don't confuse your voice with God's voice. So how do you know that? So let me just give you a couple of pointers here. I would be very concerned if God's voice sounded like my thoughts all the time. Amen? If God's voice isn't convicting your behavior first, you might need to be a little concerned. What I mean by that is this. If you read your Bible or listen to a message or a teaching, and the first thing you think is, boy, I wish so-and-so could hear this right now there's a problem because God is wanting to speak into your life first and foremost. Some of you will tell me sometimes on a Sunday after the service is over with something to the effect of, man, you got to stop reading my mail this week. You stepped all over my toes or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I stepped all over mine this week. Welcome to my world. Look, can I tell you something? If the voice of God doesn't speak into your life first, Maybe it's not the voice of God. Maybe it's the voice of your opinion. Come on, somebody. Oh, I will. Thank you. Can I tell you, if God only speaks to you about your external circumstances, you know what I mean? Like, that's the problem. My job's the problem. My boss is the problem. My coworkers are the problem. My spouse is the problem. My kids are the problem. My parents are the problem. My relatives are the problem. My friends are the problem. This country's the problem. This world's the problem. This politics is the problem. If everything God speaks to you about is external circumstances, that's not God talking to you. That's you complaining internally and asking God to sign his name to it. God wants to transform you more than anything else. He will change circumstances, but he's going to change you first. He's going to change me first. Listen, I learned this um, the hard way. Uh, when I was uh, working in the business world, Laura and I moved, um, when we were first married, we moved to um, a town in South Georgia, Valdosta, and um, I was charged by opening up a, a store, a branch of our company, and there was no other um, business around for 120 miles. So there was no established business. So they said, here you go. This is yours. Go open, you know, go find business. And so for about six, seven, eight months, all we did was try to find business. So you just go out, find some business. And, and then finally, after about six, seven, eight months, I'd been praying for months. And the reason I was praying really, really hard was because I had a salary, but I also, well, most of it was supposed to be on the commissions that I would make off the profits that we made. Well, you know, whatever. I don't care what percentage is. Whatever percentage of nothing is nothing. You know what I mean? And so we were praying, Lord, send business. Lord, make us profitable. Lord, we got to have something. You know, we, we got to do this. And then after about six months, 
God started turning things over and we started making a lot of profits and it was, it was going very, very well for us. At about the eight, nine month mark or so, it was going so well, we were getting the attention of all of our corporate offices and they were calling us and, you know, out of boy, out of girls for all the people in the office. And then they were asking, what are y'all doing? It's different or whatever. And so then, then I started thinking to myself, you know what? We are pretty good. I am pretty good at this. And then all of a sudden, after a couple of months of that, of congratulating myself on being so good, the bottom fell out of business in the whole region, not just our office. And so I started praying, oh God, send the business again. Oh God, change the market conditions. Oh God. And man, he just thundered into my heart. Don't beg me when you need something and then take my praise when it goes, the blessing comes to you. Can I just tell you, I knew that was the voice of God. I had been listening to the voice of Kirk a lot. You got to know how to discern the voice of God. Because there are people that will want to speak into your life that have no business. The enemy's trying to talk into you. You will talk negative self-talk all the time. You've got to learn how to discern the voice of God. And what does God's voice sound like? Well, it sounds like the, whatever you need in the moment and whatever he needs to tell you in the moment. He'll encourage you when you feel defeated. He'll convict you when you act outside of his commandments. Amen? He'll lead you when you feel confused. He'll enlighten your heart when you read God's word. He'll tell you to shut your mouth when you shouldn't open it. Amen? He'll invite you to forgive others even when they hurt you. He'll cause you to stand up for people that are weaker than you. He'll cause you to speak up and to stand strong when you're pressured to give in to these collapsing standards of the world. He'll ask you to remember that your hope is not in this world to start with, but your hope is in Jesus Christ who's already overcome the world. And he will tell you to stay faithful to the destiny God has called you. That's what the voice of God sounds like in your life. At whatever moment you are, at the thing that you're facing, he's going to speak truth and he's going to speak life. He'll speak Direction, he'll speak hope, and he'll speak faith into your life. But you've got to know it's the voice of God. And can I just tell you something? What is not the voice of God is the voice of condemnation that people are trying to pour on you or the enemy's trying to pour on you. God will absolutely convict you and convince you of your sin so that you can turn back to him. But he is not in the business of condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. He will convict to draw you back, but it's never in a, con- a, con- a condemning way in condemnation over your life. That's not what God is going to do. And if you listen to those voices, you will stay removed and separated from God when he's literally saying, come, give ear to me one more time and let me call you back to your purpose. But I love what John does. When he describes this dialogue, John's writing years removed. Simon Peter has already died a martyr's death. It's why John knows how he's going to die at the end. John says that when he asked Simon, Jesus asked, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He says, yes. John never refers to him as Simon. John then says, and Peter replied. Then once again, Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? And he says, and Peter replied. What John realized is this. No mistake changed the destiny 
because Peter stayed connected to Jesus Christ, even in repentance. And I want you to hear me. There's not a mistake that can keep you from the destiny God has called you if you will lean in to the relationship that Jesus has called you to. Because God's will is not as much about direction about it is as devotion. Once your heart is devoted, then he will direct you. Stop asking God to try to direct everything and lean into him in that relationship and watch him lead and guide you like a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. Some of you, as we partake of Holy Communion in a moment, Holy Communion is meant for believers. Some of you in this room right now, you know things aren't right between you and the Lord. And you believe that mistake has been keeping you from him. And Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is drawing you back, saying, come back to me right now. And this is your moment. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you, you know things aren't right between you and the Lord when you came in here. I just want you to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for the promise that you have made to me. Thank you for the provision you made through your sacrifice. Thank you that you gave your life for my sins and that because of that, I have the ability to have a relationship that was meant to be from the very beginning that sin distorted, but you have redeemed. Forgive me of my past and of my sins. Forgive me of that mistake. And I pray that you would just Allow me today, as I yield my life to you and your lordship, that you would draw me close to you and restore me to the place I was meant to be. Give me the purpose and the destiny that you have intended for me since the day you formed me in the womb. And today I'll never be the same. Now, if everyone in the room would just pray this prayer and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you know when you came in here today, things aren't right between you and the Lord. If you say, I've made a decision to follow him today for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you this week. If that is you, would you just be brave enough to raise your hand really high? Let me pray for you this week. Amen. Just keep it up just a moment. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Father, I thank you for lives that have been changed, hope that has been restored. I thank you that because of Jesus, new life is here, but also that the weight of sin has been lifted off of our shoulders and now joy has invaded our hearts. I thank you for that, and I give you praise for that. And Lord, in these next few moments, as we partake of Holy Communion, may you be glorified as we remember the body and the blood. Lord, if there are people in this room right now that are suffering pain from loss, anxiety, fear, relational discord, financial worries, they're in need of physical healing, may they be reminded as we partake of Holy Communion that in Isaiah 53, you said, by your stripes and your wounds, we are healed. Apply that healing to every facet of our life as we partake of your holy body and your blood this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.
You should have received some elements when you came in this morning. If you take those elements, please. If you did not receive something, would you just raise your hand and uh, some of our hosts will get those to you. Just leave them really high so they can find you. If you are tuning in online like hundreds of you do every single week, and I'm so grateful for you, um, this will be an opportunity for you to go grab something you can observe, Holy Communion. You may have juice and you may have a wafer. You may have a cracker and some soda, or you may have water and bread. Go find something that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, and we hope you'll join us as well. Uh, under the clear seal, you'll find the wafer, and under the other seal, you will find the juice. If you'll go ahead and unseal those and prepare to partake, just keep your hands up really high. We've got some here right in the middle. We've got some right down front over here. Just keep them real high. We'll get right to you. Is there anyone else? Everyone been served? I just want to make sure. All right. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would as we protect together. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, that on the same night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Would you remember the body of Christ? And in the same manner, he took the cup and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Would you remember the blood of Christ? He goes on and says, for as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your perfect will. Thank you that you loved us enough that your plan was that though our sins deserved death, you chose to take that punishment upon yourself. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were willing to be the sacrifice, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Thank you that our sins have been paid for. We've been bought with a price that we are no longer ours, but we belong to you, that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that's been called out of darkness into your marvelous light that we may declare the praises of you. Lord, we give you honor in this place. We give you praise in this place. I thank you, Lord, that every person in this place right now, every person watching online is a person that you knit together in their mother's womb with a purpose and a destiny that you've placed on their lives, God. I pray that every encounter that we have with you as we engage with you, Lord, would draw us closer to you and closer to your purpose. I ask, Lord, for a strength, oh God, for when those times that we feel weak, I pray that we feel your strength, oh Lord. I 
pray, oh Lord, when we look at ourselves and we don't see the abilities that we think that are needed, that you point out the things that you have blessed us with and how you want to engage us in the purpose that you have called us to. And Lord, in those moments where we make mistakes, I pray that we won't allow the voice of the enemy or anyone else to hold us back from the grace that you are calling to us, God. I pray that as you speak life into us, Lord, we'd receive that life and we would come back into full relationship with you, oh God, and be engaged in the destiny you have called us to. Lord, for every senior that's in this room right now, I pray, Lord, as they go through their life, I pray that every encounter with you would bring them closer to you. I pray, oh Lord, they wouldn't take their eyes off of the prize, which is a relationship with you and a purpose here and an eternity with you forever, God. I pray your blessings upon every person in this room, whether they followed you and made a decision this morning or whether they've been following you for 80 years, God. I pray that they see that as long as there's breath in their body, there's a purpose in their life, oh Lord. And I ask you to engage that, to enable that, to develop that, and to deploy that in the name of Jesus, Lord, for your glory. And Lord, by faith, we're going to give you praise for all the things that you're going to do in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate four people who gave their hearts to Jesus Christ today. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you leave today, a couple of things I want to tell you. Listen, uh, for all the ladies 13 and up, I want to encourage you. The Bloom Conference is on May 13th and 14th. That's just in a couple of weeks. Uh, I want to encourage you to go ahead and sign up for that. If you've got your phone, you can scan the QR code there. If you don't know what that means, open up your camera, point it at that block right there, and then uh, it will take you to a website where you can go ahead and register. Um, If you don't know anything about that and want some help with that, stop by our information desk. We'll be glad to help you in that process. But we've got some registrations that are filling up, and we want you to be a part of that. Um, And the only cost that's associated, we're going to provide lunch on Saturday. All of the speakers, all um, from Mo Isom to all of the um, breakout speakers, all of that is being covered. um, And it's just your lunch on Saturday, so you won't have to go anywhere and you can enjoy everything. It's $10, best investment you'll make on a Friday and a Saturday. And so ladies, I hope you'll be a part of that. Also, this Thursday is National Day of Prayer. And uh, every month our staff gets together for staff prayer. We usually do it on the second Monday, but this week we're going to be doing it on Thursday at noon in the chapel, and we would love for you to join us. uh, So if you'll show up here at noon on Thursday, we're going to have a prayer service, National Day of Prayer. And uh, if you can't be here, take some time on Thursday at noon and begin to pray for our nation and for God to just have his will and his way over our nation. God is still on the throne. Amen? Amen. Hey, before you go, let me bless you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great day.